The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus went home, and the crowd came together again, so that Jesus and the disciples could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to restrain him. For people were saying, He has gone out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebul, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And Jesus called to them, called them to him, and he spoke to them in parables. He said, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against Satan and is divided, Satan cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first trying up the strong man. Then indeed the house can be plundered. Truly I tell you, the people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they said to him, and they called him. A crowd was sitting around Jesus, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers and sisters are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Who are my mother? And my brothers. And looking at those who stood around him, he said, Here are my brothers and my mother. Whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Ready or not, here I come. I bet you know what game I'm playing, don't you? I'm playing hide-and-seek, the game that you could play anywhere with anyone at any time of day with any number of people. It's a game where, one player, uh, where a number of players hide and one player seeks them out until everyone is found. Now, I haven't played this game in ages, but I have really fond memories of playing it with my cousins after dark out on the farm or with the youth group when we were young and we were able to gather in the church and then hide in all those places that we weren't supposed to go. There's something kind of fun about finding just the right hiding spot. In the dark, hiding behind a tree or laying on the ground under some bushes, breathing as quietly as possible and not moving one single bit so the seeker who is walking by will not hear a thing. Sometimes I would even grab a few branches to try to camouflage myself and fit in with my surroundings. Now, 
Adam and Eve were likely not playing a game of hide-and-seek with God. But there is no doubt that they were hiding and that God was seeking. In the story from Genesis, God is taking a stroll in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And God is looking for the earth creatures. And they heard the sounds of God wrestling in the garden, so they hid themselves from the presence of God, camouflaging themselves in the lush greens of the garden. I imagine that many of you are familiar with the Adam and Eve story because it has been used for centuries to teach us that it's Eve's fault, that there is sin in the world because of Eve's actions that day when she ate from the forbidden tree of knowledge. Now, this story is a true story, but it's not a factual story, a historical story. But there is truth in it because it tells the story of our human experience. We attempt to gain knowledge, facts, about God instead of living in the mystery of God's embrace. We point fingers and lay blame at others, even if it's true that our own actions have harmed. We hide behind our own mistakes, cover up our flaws, doubt whether we are good enough to stand bare before God with our authentic and vulnerable selves. The two hid in the garden, not because they were ashamed of their unclothed bodies, which is how their nakedness is usually interpreted, but they hid because of the knowledge gained when they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A Hebrew biblical scholar writes, by partaking from the tree, the primal couple gained a level of self-consciousness an awareness of their vulnerable condition and their newly acquired ability to make decisions on their own. Unwittingly, in their attempt to become fully divine, they became fully human. Becoming fully human implies that one is willing and able to embrace one's own vulnerability. And oh my, is that hard to do, right? As Brene Brown has shown in her extremely popular research on shame and vulnerability, for many it's just too much to live a wholehearted life, to accept love from others and from God, because we believe that we're not good enough. We instinctively hide our true selves, our questions, our faults, our traumas, our addictions, because we don't want to be fully seen. But God seeks us out, asking, why are you hiding? I see you. I see all of you, and you are mine. You see, God is with us, wandering in the garden, still continually present in all of our flawed endeavors, inviting us to live wholeheartedly in the life that God has created for us. The biblical stories in the New Testament tell the story of God in Jesus, continuing to walk in the garden, seeking out the lost, the forgotten, and those who are cast out. Jesus seeks us out in our rebellious hiding and asks us, who told you you were naked? You are only naked insofar as you continue to hide from me. 
and there is no reason to hide. During Pride Month especially, I am reminded of the harm that the Church has done in Jesus' name to force people into hiding, telling LGBTQ people subtly or outright that we do not belong in Jesus' family. Now in these days, I see pastors and LGBTQ Christians calling people out from their hiding, posting memes like, you are loved, and I see you, God sees you, and God loves you. Inviting those who have been traumatized by the church to bring their whole selves to the communities who recognize and celebrate Jesus' acceptance and love for everyone. In the gospel story today, Jesus is preaching and teaching in his hometown, Nazareth, which isn't an easy thing to do, by the way. His mother and brothers are embarrassed because he's showing his true self as both human and divine, and they don't understand it. He is speaking as God's self, and they think that he is possessed by demons, not the spirit of the Holy One. You see, it's not the kind of speech or actions that they expected from the Holy One. They had their own expectations about God, how, who God was and how religious people should be. They think they have God pinned down. They know what the Holy Spirit is supposed to look like, and Jesus doesn't fit the bill. Inside the house with Jesus sit the outsiders, the misfits, the rejects, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, and they're not interested in dogma or piety or tradition. They just need love and healing. And they seem to have found it in a man who heals the sick and feeds the hungry. And in the midst of them, smack dab in the center of the sick, the insane, the deviant, the hungry, and the unorthodox and unwashed, there sits Jesus saying this, this right here is my family. Family for Jesus is not defined by DNA tests or adoption records or custody papers. Jesus opens wide the circle of belonging to the ones who are typically not seen, not heard, not loved. Jesus seeks you out and welcomes you in. I know intimately and all too well, and maybe you do too, the hunger to belong, to have someone safe and loving to belong to. We know what it's like to yearn for someone who can hold all of who we are and love us still without flinching. And that is exactly what Jesus does for the crowds. He invites them in, their whole selves, with their flaws and hurts fully exposed, and he asks them to stay and he makes them family. So stop hiding. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Jesus, the gardener, the healer, the one who loves you fully, without flinching, welcomes you into his family. Amen.